the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are The Bride Ministries, We Are The Bride Radio, or We Are The Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and Friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power. Experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. shepherd's rod and staff. The word of the Lord was planted as a seed into fertile ground. And the word of God became a man who was destined to wear a crown. It was the Father's sacred word by the mouth of an angel spoken that caused a virgin to conceive and the curse of mankind to be broken. For unto us a child is born Unto us a son shall be given to rule and reign on God's kingdom and the sins of all men be forgiven. He was the son of King David that God's people had long waited for. By the written word of God's prophets, the son whom the angels adored. Yet when he appeared, did men see him? Did they know the incarnate word? 
Did his own people receive it or believe the message they heard? He was despised and rejected. God's very own people said no to the king of all glory who came to save and deliver them from their foe. But to those who believed and received him, like a shepherd, he guarded and fed with his rod of authority defended the sheep and by his staff Jesus led the great shepherd watchful and gentle who will lead his sheep to the fold and the little lambs he shall carry in his wonderful arms to unfold but how could the staff of a shepherd be valued as anything and how could his rod be likened unto the scepter of a king the rod and the staff of the master are the branches upon which he rests. The rod from the stem of Jesse and the staff which the Father has blessed are the one and the same as the scepter. The three have become as one. And yet each one identifies with the Father, the Spirit, the Son. All authority comes from the Father and the truth that proceeds from his mind is filled with Holy Ghost power to accomplish what God has designed. The word of God that proceeds from his mouth made manifest through immaculate birth, and God the Son is now glorified throughout the heavens and the earth. No longer a crown of thorns he wears, nor garments stained by his own blood, his crown is of radiant glory. The stains of his robe, a cleansing flood. The Lion of Judah shall rule and reign, and the scepter shall never depart, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. And Shiloh forever shall rule in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that gorgeous. Yeah. Wow.
Okay, this one on the Mount Pesadet Christian mm -hmm. is Beyond the Veil. Wow. Uh, yeah. We're called to minister from beyond the veil. Exactly. We know that uh, the, the temple, there's the outer court, there's mm -hmm. the inner court, and there's holy of mm -hmm. holies. Yes. Mm -hmm. And ministering from beyond the veil is ministering from the realm of the holy of holies. Uh, the Mount order of the priesthood comes from beyond the veil with blessings for Abraham and his seed. And we are the seed of Abraham because of our faith. Uh, if by faith uh, if we, we, we become the blood seed of Abraham through the blood of Jesus Christ. And just as Melchizedek in the Old Testament came from a place of no conflict, a place of peace, king of peace, we must come from beyond the veil. And then we are seated in the heavenlies and continue in Jesus' ministry and life on earth. God has called us to minister from beyond the veil. The only way to come from beyond the veil is to have been there. We entered in Christ when he entered. Christ in us the hope of glory. When we are in Christ, we are in glory. And when we are in him, he is in the Holy of Holies, we enter in. In Christ. Y'all understand this, what I'm saying? Yes. Because he is there, we are there. Our understanding and our walk must catch up with our experience in Christ. Okay? Well, that's been a little difficulty. Is our understanding and our walk hasn't caught up with where, by faith, we have been declared to be. The seed of Abraham. Isaiah chapter 6 shares some practical insight into the present work of the Holy Spirit in the most holy place. This is a place in which we're consumed by the awesomeness of God's holiness. Isaiah saw the king, the Lord of hosts. One of the live coals from the altar was laid upon his mouth. It touched his lips, took away his iniquity, and purged his sin. In that moment, when that when that cold touched him. Yet, he still saw himself as undone rather than as complete in the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we are being made complete in him. The process, for those, this is a room full of Christians who've been walking with the Lord for a very long time. And we understand in this journey, we are being made complete in him. We know some people who have arrived, and I bless them for it. I still, he is still completing me. He has not yet completed me. I shared before we started that I received the Jeremiah call in chapter 1, 5 through 10 when I was 33 years old. And the first part of it began to bring, to come to pass. I'll put my words in your mouth, and you will go to who I send you, and you will speak what I say. And I guess I was in my mid-40s when I stood in front of Pastor Wilbert Scott at his church and he prophesied over me, and that was when my ministry began. But it was 10 years later from the time God spoke to Jeremiah called to me. Yes. Let, me since God's let me just go there in just a minute because it's part of what we're saying to you today about this process. Uh, so during... And I and you remember when I went to see Johnny Barham in November, mm -hmm. he told me that I had not yet come into what God had called me to do. And that I was just now coming into it. Okay, so 45 years ago, I heard the audible voice of the Lord say this to me. I was 33 years old. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And when I tell you that 33-year-old was ignorant, she was. 
She thought she was pretty smart, but she didn't know anything. But the Lord said to me, Say not, I am a child, for you shall go to all that I shall send you. And whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. And you wonder why my mouth is so strong and bold. And that I haven't backed up or slacked up during all that we've been going through. Because God imparted that into me when he visited me that day. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Have no fear. Talking earlier, so there's so much superstition over things. Or superstition, some devil's going to get you. Mm -hmm. Or being superstitious about that church has got to get out of that. Mm -hmm. No fear. Uh, superstition is fear. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. The Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Okay, there was a process from 33, I guess, to, I don't know, 40, maybe 48, maybe 48, when that process was being worked in me. But verse 10, that authority has not yet come to pass. I mean, in measure, if you hear me pray or if you hear me speak, it's in measure. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant. So 45 years it has been since God gave me that calling and commission but I believe that the authority is just now coming to do this. Because even what we're studying on Sunday night and even what we're praying and what we're declaring. I will go ahead and speak this. We were studying the veil. I'm getting totally off my message here, but it all is related. We were studying the veil on Sunday night. And this is this, this man has the gift since he was two years old yeah. of seeing the demonic realm and the angelic realm all operating right in front of him like a great big movie screen all the time. Oh my God. And he shared that. And one of the things that we were studying, he was he saw this principality fall at his feet. He was just walking along. I thought that principality fell at his feet. And he asked what this principality was, and I think it was a principality of financial oppression. But the thing fell. But then he began to explain that principalities sit on thrones in the, in the realm of the spirit. So it came to me, and he didn't mention this, of course, that Anthony Kennedy's seat, seat in the Supreme Court, but just came to me while I was sitting there. Anthony Kennedy's seat in the Supreme Court is a throne. And the authority of that throne is a power principality over this nation. And that that power and principality that is sitting there must fall in order for a godly man or woman to be able to sit in it. Now, God would not reveal that to me if he's not giving me the authority. Now, you think I'm going to back up? It comes some kind of fear. So I shared this with Sarah and some of you intercessors and uh, copied it to Mary Murphy. You got y'all got copied of it, I think. Those, mm -hmm. Especially those of you who were there Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And Mary wrote back of an experience that she had that she was praying. I don't know how many years ago I copied y'all on it. How many of you read it? What Mary? Yeah. yeah. And she was in church and she mm -hmm. saw this principality that was over Stillwater, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Manifest in the ceiling. And she said he was hideous. Mm -hmm. And he threatened her. He told her that she would, he would that he was a principality of control, mm. and that he would not give her the power to bring him down over Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> and she said she wasn't afraid <laughs> until she, the prayer group came in that was meeting there to pray. She said then she started trembling and shaking <laughs> when she began to tell them. But immediately thereafter, she became she had. Two wrecks and the 
truck turned over, her husband got sick, and anyway, Satan tried to kill her. Okay, so what we have to be, what, the reason I'm telling you this story today is, see, he told her, I'm going to kill you before you get me. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what he said to her. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do this. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I'm telling this story today is if you're afraid, if you have fear in you of any kind of demonic hit, then you have, your faith is weak. You don't have the faith to deal with powers and principalities. Okay? That's right. If you're afraid of it, you don't have any you don't have the power to deal with it. Now you'll deal with little demons. Okay. Let's say you're a naysayer and a negative person and you're always finding fault or you're you just can't get that victory. I'm not being critical. We know these people. Yeah. Okay, they just can't get that victory over life. Everything is uh, negative. Okay, you'll have authority over little demons. But you just leave those powers and principalities alone. Yeah. Okay, they have no power to threaten you. They have no power to intimidate you. But have you been given the authority? Okay, you've got the authority. When you came into Christ and you entered into the holy place, the holy of hosts, you got the authority. Okay? It's there. Okay, but you've got to be in him and you've got to know that authority. I think, I think this conference, because God called it the scepter and the crown, and he is releasing that authority. This is what I think. He's he's releasing that authority to his church. Now I'm going back to that verse in 10. None of this is in your notes, okay? See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. What kingdoms? The kingdoms of men. The kingdoms of Satan. The kingdoms of powers and principalities. If it's not the kingdom of powers and principalities, then there's no need to root it out, to tear it down, to throw down, and then you are to build and to plant. So that means if you throw down a throne of power and principality, you better put something in it. Yeah. To build and to plant. The church, it's on you. That's right. Concerning the Supreme Court judge. It's on the church. Those politicians and those media, they don't have authority over nothing. That's right. But the church, they don't even know anything about the spirit realm. They're part of the demons. That's right. Okay. Now where was that? <laughs> Where was I? Tear down principality. Second paragraph. Jeremiah. Verse 10. Okay, Jeremiah, I mean, Isaiah was still undone. After he received, after the coal of fire was put on his mouth. I had, I don't know when it was, I got the date written down somewhere, that I had a visitation of an angel. They actually put the coal of fire on my mouth. But it wasn't when I received this visitation. It was another time. But see, I'm still not where, just because I got that visitation doesn't mean that I have arrived into what God, that means I'm still, like, like Isaiah, I'm still undone. Trying to get me who God called me to be with him doing it. Yes. Does that make sense to yes. y'all? Of course it yes. makes sense to y'all. Yeah. That's why you can't get frustrated with where you are in Christ. He's saying that he's killing your flesh mm-hmm. and your mind mm-hmm. and your understanding mm-hmm. so he can make you what he called you to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. But like we said, we know some people have already arrived. 
<laughs> because of this atonement, Isaiah received a special commission to go minister to the nations. Now they're coming to us. Have y'all noticed? <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> and we see how God is stretching me because well, I, if He God sends them, I've got we've got to bless them, you know. And I'm like, okay, God, Brother Valentine. I don't know if I copied y'all on that or not. I copied you two or three of you. Yes. He's coming in August. Praise God. I already had Bill Yelp scheduled for y'all August. But uh, God said, go ahead and do it, Carolyn. He's paying for it. Thank you, Lord. Is Bill still coming? Huh? Yeah, Bill's still coming. Oh, yeah. I'm not But... We, uh, the nations, you have to notice that they're coming here this year. There's a reason God is sending them here because they're spending money to get here and there's a reason why God is sending them so we're, we're trying to figure that one out too. You can only minister forgiveness when you have first received it. Okay? If you're walking around with unforgiveness in your heart and you have been You've never had to be forgiven anything. You're not. You don't show much mercy to people who haven't been, who have, who have sins that they haven't yet been able to deal with. There's not a whole lot of compassion. Sometimes when we overcome, we lose our compassion. Yes. Like get it right the first time. Exodus 26, 31. I used to be like that thing. I know. Me too. If you get it right the first time, you won't have to do it again. <laughs> you shall make a veil of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen of cunning work. With cherubim shall it be made. You shall hang up the veil under the tacks, that you may bring it within the veil of the ark of the testimony and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. Matthew 27, 50-51. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no future date for the opening of the veil. It has been opened and it has been destroyed. The only veil that can now be found is in our minds. Mm -hmm. In the mind. And the Word of God says it. In the Spirit... The veil has been taken away in Christ, and the veil is withdrawn from us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. Their minds were blinded. Mm -hmm. The only veil, we're talking New Testament. Old Testament. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Mm. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But mm -hmm. we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is what the Lord wants to bring his church into. Yeah. And we're living below this realm of glory, church. Once we accept it by faith and realize it, and we know that this is for us now, 
Not over yonder will we get to heaven. Not some future millennium. It's now. We enter into the liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is. We experience that precious place of an unveiled face before the Lord. As we behold him, the dazzling radiance of his glory shines forth, and we are changed by his glory. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17, which I just read, is a contrast of two covenants. The primary step is to enter in with boldness and embrace this truth as the revelation grips our heart and understanding. To Moses was given the law, and God gave him the old covenant, and to him was given the law. But now we're under a new covenant, and it's the covenant of Jesus Christ. The old covenant has been taken away. This experience is for now and to every generation since the first century when Jesus read that veil. The challenge is to enter now. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we transform our thinking, which is the core of the soul, with the Word of God. When our mind is totally developed in the Word, our minds will become the mind of the Spirit. And there will be no more veil on our mind. We, we wonder how these people in the world that we watch on our televisions come up with the conclusions and understanding that they have and you wonder how they think and where they get their ideas. Their mind is veiled. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're still have not been unveiled. They do not know what you know. They do not understand what you understand. They do not see what you see. And as we behold him, the dazzling radiance of his glory shines forth. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. When our mind is totally developed in the Word, our minds will become the mind of the Spirit. Our minds will no longer be blinded because the veil is taken away in Christ. That is the Word of God. The veil is taken away in Christ. He read the veil of the temple. In the Old Testament, only the high priest could go into the temple. Every one of us could go up and sit on Daddy's lap and receive his love one-on-one -on -one because the veil has been rent. It has been taken away. The only veil that's left is in the veil of our minds. And our minds will no longer be blinded. And we'll repeat that. Our ransom spirit is one with God, thus producing only one spirit. It's not my spirit anymore. It's been ransomed. My spirit is one with his spirit. And if his spirit is inside the Holy of Holies, inside the veil, where is my spirit? And we can go inside the realm of the Spirit, into the Holy of Holies, boldness with the blood of Jesus Christ. And all the fullness of the Godhead is over your mind and in your spirit. And we have this authority which has been given to the church that we have not, that we have not apprehended. I'm trying to apprehend it's what I'm trying to do. Yes, y'all our ransom spirit is one with God, thus producing only one spirit. Ephesians 4.4. 4. There is one body and one spirit. I posted this this morning. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. We read that and we think about our calling. The harmony of the spirit and soul will cause the body to be permeated with one life. One life. The life of Christ in me the life of Christ in me. I, when I went to this little town in Missouri where my mother's home is, it is uh, just a little dying town of 2,000 people. The, the 
farmers out around are very rich and wealthy and they have large mansions on their farm, but the little town is dying. So I'm driving down the street of this town and I, I bind up and I rebuke the spirit of the sin of uh, sin and death over that little town mm -hmm. and I begin to lose the spirit of the life of Christ to bring life back to that little town. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay, because my ransomed soul has become one with the spirit of the life of Christ. And I must declare where I go, wherever sin and death is stealing and taking away from people and taking away their joy, taking away their peace, taking away uh, the convicts, taking away their health. I must declare that the spirit of sin and death, it has been brought down and we are no longer living under the spirit of sin and death, but we're living under the spirit of the life of Christ. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Lord, I don't even know what I'm doing today. Amen. Someone called me for prayer last night. I was kind of in the middle of this. I don't know, must be something going on in the spirit realm. I was in the middle of this, and I, and I began to pray for them, and I began to prophesy. I, I mean, I wasn't just praying, I was prophesying. Is there a special formula or list of confessions we must make in order to enter the most holy place? No. You can't say them over and over and do this over and over and all your whatever. Hail Marys. No. The word of God says we are to enter with boldness, confidence, and full freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's go back to dealing with tearing down and rooting down and tearing down strongholds and powers of principalities that have taken root. And God wants us to go in and take back what Satan has stolen. He wants the church to take their authority and go in and tear down these strongholds that are in, king, in the kingdom. And we're supposed to do it with boldness and confidence. But if we don't have the boldness and the confidence and know who we are in Christ Jesus and know that we have been given that authority through his precious blood, we don't have the authority because we're operating in fear, doubt, and unbelief. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amy, are you keeping up with me? Yep. Okay, you know my testimony. Mm -hmm. But when it's right, I'll tell it again because we keep telling it. How was I to remember? It was just before he put me in full-time ministry. That was at least 30 years ago. Okay. The Lord spoke to me. I was teaching Bible study. Okay, I was prophesying and doing everything else. But he spoke to me with the voice from the golden altar. Or let's say I heard the voice from the golden altar. I don't know whose voice it was. But I heard the voice from the golden altar. He said, Carolyn, you have come so far. And this one sin will keep you out of my glory. Yes, I repented and overcame because there's nothing in Babylon that I want to hold on to that will cause me to miss his glory. The enemy is the arch enemy of God and his people. Why would he keep put a sin in your life that you like? Why would you like your demon so much that it would keep you out of the authority to root down and tear up and bring down powers and principalities over nations. Yeah. Because he doesn't want you to know you. He doesn't want you to have it. Throughout scripture, he's known and identified as Babylon. Babylon means confusion. Babylon is more than a city or the name of the people living within the border of that city. It is a mystery and a mother of harlots. Yes. The state of the realm of spirit. Babylon is an apparatus 
devised for the purpose of confusion, a way of thinking and doing. It is the enemy of God because God is not the author of confusion but of peace. Yes, yes. The God of peace, not a God of confusion, is our deliverer from Babylon. He delivers his people from this wicked domain which has become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. It is in the nation's capital of Washington, D.C. And it's Babylon that we're going to have to bring down over this nation. Babylon came in. The spirit of Babylon came into this nation. Babylon is that atrocious city in which we find the blood of prophets, of saints, and all who were slain. Mm -hmm. This great empire exists throughout all the earth. And all the nations have drunk of her fornication. Therefore, she shall be thrown down with much violence. God commands his people to come out of her. Mm -hmm. And during the great and dreadful day of our God's judgments, he says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. When did he do that at the cross? Revelation 18, 20. He has avenged you. It's already done. It's a finished work. We're walking around down here like we're dingbat heads. Oh me, oh my, oh me, oh. I can't even get authority over this little demon over here. And I'm supposed to tear down powers and principalities over this nation? Because of what the church has been taught all these years. Right. By a religious spirit. By a religious spirit. Apostate. Apostate church, and because the pastors, yes. pastors, I'm talking to you, you're going to have to tell the church authority, or you're going to be held accountable for it. If God called you and He set you in that pulpit, He expects you to preach that word, and the word that He puts in your mouth, He expects you to say them. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, Lord. Jesus, help me. I'm God's word, that sharp two-edged sword, I'm telling you, this stuff will preach, won't it? Amen. Out of his mouth smites the enemy and treads the wine presses of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. It's in you, not in him who's coming. He's already here, and he's inside of you. Never is this deliverance by Almighty God more evident than in the book of Daniel. This book focuses on the kingdom people who are functional in a Babylonian captivity. We have an account of their trials, their tribulations, their victories, their visions, and their positions of authority inside the Babylonian city. It is, Jimmy got that. It is prophetically spoken in the book of Daniel that the day will come when the saints of the Most High God will possess the kingdom. And there is a lot of talking out there that we're coming into the saints movement where they're going to possess the kingdom. Well, you're already supposed to be possessing the kingdom. Because when Jesus, that day came when Jesus came, he gave the kingdom to you. And the kingdom is within and the kingdom that they're speaking of is within you and I and the power of that kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Hallelujah. We are a kingdom people. And we have been. Jesus came on the earth preaching the kingdom of God. The apostles went forth preaching the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be preaching the kingdom of God because we are a kingdom people. Mm 
Daniel did not contaminate himself with the promotions of Babylon in his day. They wanted to exalt him because the word of God was in him. Thank God Daniel refused their politic and scheming and maneuvering. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're studying, help me Jesus, in this book of the mail is at 13 and 14, um, Blake, what's his name? Blake Healy? Blake Healy. Uh, he was in, he, his family were ministers and they were in a prophetic church in um, California. So he was able to talk to people who knew him. But he said they weren't seeing what he was seeing. And he said they would take him out to lunch and they would question him. And you know how church people do. They will nail him down, you know, trying to make what he said scriptural and all this. And he, and he withdrew himself with his gifts. I understand that. I told him Sunday night, I understand this. Because in my generations, we saw the, charis the charismatics fight with the denominations. We saw the Pentecostals fight the charismatics. We saw the latter rain movement fight the charismatics. We saw the prophets fight the seers. We saw the seers fight with the prophets. And every one of them was challenging the other one as to whether their gifts were valid or not. Now, some were not. But I can tell you that some were. I am blessed to hear and to see. Now, I'd like to hear more and see more. But I can, at least I can, I, I, don't, I don't challenge your gifts. I'll judge them. But I don't challenge them. Because you come to me and you tell me, God said, hey, baby, that's between you and God. Amen. <laughs> You're not asking me to tell you what I think. Yes. You're not asking me to tell you what I think God said. Now you're telling me you're going to do this thing. Amen. Whatever it is, and you're going to do it exactly like you're going to do it because God said it. Right. Go to it. <laughs> you won't hear a word out of me. I'm not going to say, <laughs> better check that. No. You're on your own. <laughs> okay. Okay, Henry, you're, what am I doing? Daniel did not, you didn't finish that, did not continue. Oh. Okay. Scheming and maneuvering. I didn't even get to the scheming and maneuvering <laughs> part of it. He serves, Daniel serves as an example to us. Especially those who realize their call of God to the Melchizedek order of ministry. Okay, now I don't know where I fit in this picture. I just know about preaching. <laughs> Daniel exemplifies how we should conduct ourselves in the midst of Babylon. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Unfasten your life and ministry from Babylon. You can't have a mixture. You can't compromise. You can't call evil good. The Melchizedek order of ministry is revealed in you. You cannot be bought at Babylon's price. You're not for sale. Not enough money in the whole wide world that can buy you. If you are in love, people could offer you all the money in the world to walk away from the one that you're in love with. And if you're in love with them, their money don't mean a thing. Same thing with the kingdom of God. There isn't enough money in the whole of Babylon to buy you. Systems of Babylon will be utterly broken down. 
we have to comprehend we are purchased for Christ to purchase. His design and desire consumes our every waking thought. We're no more our own. And there's a place where you're no longer your own. You've been bought and paid for. Yes. <laughs> the systems of this worldly order of things show real to and fro like a drunkard. I think they're all, we're already there. Yes. And they shall fall and not rise again, the systems of the world. Then shall be fulfilled the prophetic indictment upon Babylon and seen by the watch watchmen. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he has broken into the ground. Out of these judgments shall the Most High God emerge in glory. He shall be seen above all the circumstances in the earth. He will be seen sitting upon his throne. He called our conference the scepter of the king. He called it the scepter of the king. He is seated on that throne and he is extending his scepter. Yes. yes. Bride, I give you up to half of my kingdom mm -hmm. because you're my bride. Zechariah 6.13 He shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne and he shall be priest upon his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both between the priest and the throne the scepter and the crown the priest, king, priest, anointing. And in the Old Testament, the king could not minister as a priest, even though David did. Because he saw this guy was prophetic. But that means the king, priest, anointing, which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory. And he shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. This is the order of Melchizedek in this verse. Yes. Mm -hmm. A king priest, even though it's not mentioned. That's the order of Melchizedek. That's the order of Jesus Christ. That's the order of the church. There is a throne, a king, and a priest upon that throne. We are the temple of his presence. He shall build the temple of the Lord. The golden altar is within us. His priesthood is within us. And his throne is within us. Can we can our mind comprehend this? Can we comprehend this? We're going to. Or there will be a generation on the earth that will. He did not establish this for nothing. Just because us slow to learn people can't get it. <laughs> or that we refuse to learn with our preconceived ideas and Dr. Kakadiak from that old order of denominationalism said that it only can be done this way. And my Bible says he is going to build his temple and he is going to rule on his throne as a king and a priest. And then he's going to put that temple in me. And inside of me is going to be his temple and his throne and the priesthood. But in there a scripture that says, oh, ye who are slow to learn or something. <laughs> Jesus is the voice that implores us to enter the most holy place. He is the giver of this truth. Should we accept the truth or to continue to agree with the traditions of men which made the word of God of none effect? 
Hebrews 10, 24 through 27. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day dawning near. For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume <coughs> adversaries. All truth is given that the body of Christ might grow up into the head in all his fullness. The head and body together will lessen the credibility gap between truth and the practice of truth. Do y'all understand the difference between truth and the practice of truth? For sure. We will put all gainsayers and opposition out of business with our lifestyles. As was said, when Jesus walked through that row of the people that wanted to kill him, he just walked right through them and they couldn't touch him. You won't have to defend yourself. You don't have to defend what you believe. You don't have to shut up people that don't agree with you. Amen. You don't have to argue with them. Your lifestyle will shut them up. Mm -hmm. You're just walking down the street will shut them up. A ministry coming from beyond the veil cancels the work of the first man, Adam. It elevates the merits of the second man, the Lord from heaven. This ministry does not impute men's trespasses to them. Okay, you can say, well, Jesus doesn't impute trespasses to me. Jesus doesn't impute trespasses to you. But we're talking about a ministry on earth. Ministering from the realm of the Holy of Holies that does not impute one another's trespasses to them. Not many people in the church are there. They do a lot of imputing. <laughs> a lot of imputing goes on in the church. <laughs> A ministry from beyond the veil. I'm talking about a ministry. I'm talking about God's church. I'm talking about God's people who are speaking for him. There are no records or logs kept. A reconciler blesses and forgives. Yes. Come on, let's go. Shut up and let all that stuff behind you go. All that foolishness, let it go. Come on, let's go on with Jesus. Yes. Whatever foolishness you did last week, I don't have time for it. The task of reconciliation is committed to ambassadors. An ambassador is an elder or a mature one. And the Bible is very clear. Do not rebuke an elder. Unless you've got, you got to have two or three witnesses. Mature ones produce peace. Paul, the aged one in the book of Philemon, serves as an ambassador between Philemon and his servant, Onesimus. Peace was made between two enemies on the basis of the love of God because they did not impute their trespasses against them. Okay, if I'm going to impute your trespasses against you, <coughs> What am I going to do about my trespasses that God hasn't imputed against me? We've got to get over this imputing stuff. This is good. I'm enjoying this today. Lord, this is good. Got a message. 
Beyond the veil is beyond whatever I perceive myself to be. Beyond the veil, the flesh, for the veil is covering uh, is my flesh. Hebrews 10:20. By a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. It is beyond me until the complete doing away with me. It is beyond me until this body of death is fashioned like Christ's glorious body. It is beyond the stealthy, concealed purposes of my heart. The motives that are down in there that I don't even know about. It's beyond my identity and my ego. Going beyond the veil is entering beyond all these limitations set by our society and by my thinking that conforms to what society has established. I would not be preaching today if I had ever conformed to society right. or what the church right. said I could or could not do or whatever preconceived ideas that religious doctrine had set up. Beyond the veil is beyond all that gives me definition outside Christ. It's beyond the memory of myself, beyond my sensual pleasures and desires, it's seeing the memory of myself dissolved in Christ. Beloved, beyond the veil is the total reality of being in Christ, for in him is the land of promise. Once we understand what it means to be in Christ, we will understand that scripture does not teach that the old man is trying to attain death or the cross. Rather, by Christ, that man is now dead. Okay, you can't be afraid if you're dead. If you're already dead, what are you going to be afraid of? You can't be offended if you're dead. If you get offended, that's because you're not dead yet. Just die the Lord. Paul said he died daily. The power of the gospel and the cross lies not in what God is trying through the old man to do, but what he has already done through Christ. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Nor if we are dead with Christ, we shall also live with him. I am in Christ, having no life of my own, but knowing that he who is the resurrection is also my resurrection and my life, and in him we have no death. But I yield to God, I am presenting my members to him as instruments of righteousness. You hear me pray. Well, it's Wednesday night. Lord, I yield my members to you. That means all my opinions, all my ideas, all my want to get everybody straightened out, all the things that they're doing that is so evil are yielded. Totally you. I yield my members to you, God. For you to pray through me according to what your perfect will is. Yes. Yes. Yielding to God breaks the backbone of duality of double-minded living. Mm -hmm. Duality, instability, and double-mindedness will have no place. This is essential to the Melchizedek priesthood. Priests of the Most High God are not double-minded. They never they will, there will never be inconsistencies in their integrity. What you see is what you get. This priestly body will always do things that please the Father, bearing the mark for the writer's inkhorn that says holiness unto the Lord. This is a single-eyed priesthood whose whole body is full of light. Throughout the world, even right now, the Melchizedek priestly body a body without duality is being prepared. No silly games or tricks or <coughs> many have been gathered out that must be gathered together into one. There was an administration in God that brought us out. 
There was an administration in God that moved through the charismatic revival that brought me out. And during that time was when I received the Jeremiah call. There must be an administration that will bring us all the way into our full inheritance in Christ. And I believe that we're coming into this time. See, I have this day set you over the nations mm. and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. We've come out from behind the walls of denominationalism, racism, economic bias, geographical bigotry, gender prejudices, and chronological intolerance. Beloved, not one of these small world ideas matter any more. Thank you.